Hi, and welcome back to Cheeky Crypto. My name's Chris, and it's fantastic to have you back with us for another video. And in today's video, we've got a really interesting interview with the team from Swarm. If you enjoy this sort of content and you want to support the channel, mash up that like button, subscribe if you haven't subscribed already, tap in that bell, selecting all the notifications so you never miss a video. And don't forget to jump in the Discord. It's absolutely free to join. There's over 5,000 people supporting one another navigate this tricky crypto space. Uh, and it's a fantastic community to immerse yourself with. It's absolutely free. Link is in the description. Right, let's get down and let's meet the team at Swarm. I think we probably best to start with an intro. Uh, would you mind just sort of introducing yourself? Yeah. A little bit, a little bit of background. Yeah, so Tim Elias, uh, co-founder of Swarm, together with Philip, obviously. And um, yeah, my background is kind of a crossover between tech and finance. Yeah. So I built uh, two software companies pretty early on, and then I rapidly switched to venture investing. Okay. Um, so I joined a fund in Stockholm. I'm from Sweden and um, kind of worked on their portfolio. And um, yeah, after that, I, I actually um, was managing a venture capital fund as well, um, early stage in Sweden. And uh, yeah, invested in a bunch of companies, some of which we um, relocated to Silicon Valley. So in 2012, I moved to the Bay Area, basically, and stayed there until well, just pre-COVID 2019, moved back to Europe. And so in while in Palo Alto, I met Philip, and that's when we started Swarm. Sounds good. Philip, Philip Piper, almost identical from different angles, so tech and finance. Uh, started off with Deutsche Bank and Allianz Group to do sort of, you know, private equity and portfolio management. But then I actually went to found different companies um, in the data slash advertising space and the media space, but also then in 2017 just uh, looked at a bunch of stuff actually in the decentralized space, which is the broader nature of like, you know, precursor of blockchain in some ways. Yeah. And then sort of stumbled into the blockchain space and we were looking at stuff and what we got attracted to was the immediate settlement nature of the blockchain. Actually, the cryptocurrencies came later, but you know. Yeah. yeah. That sounds good. Um, and I guess, what's the backstory behind Swarm and, you know, what is it that Swarm is, uh, just for anybody in the audience that doesn't already know? Sure. So we, um, given the nature that sort of immediate settlement was something interesting to us and sort of our backgrounds coming from partially sort of technology and finance, you know, the ambition grew pretty quickly to actually look at, you know, what does it take to use this technology to improve the financial ecosystem? And in extension of that is basically sort of what to do with actually tokenizing securities. Yeah. So we started off by engaging in a uh, previous project, Swarm, which, you know, basically sort of had that ambition since 2013-14. And in 2017, we, we started to, like, help out and, you know, built together with the rest of the team, and it was a DAO at the time, sort of a premier platform for doing sort of compliant token offerings at the time. Not the sort of en vogue thing to do back then, yeah. but we found it compelling actually because, you know, we obviously saw a lot of things in the primary issue side that needed to be solved. And then sort of it, uh, it became evident that sort of liquidity was always the big thing to challenge and to solve uh, because why tokenize something if it's not tradable, right? Yeah. 
And so, um, yeah, we, we then actually sort of went um, and, and cheered for others, T0, Open Finance at the time and so forth. But it also became evident that actually the American landscape was a very, very tough nut to crack on that one. And it was not really evident that it would make, make enough progress. So we found that uh, that Europe had a much more forward-leaning stance on this. Uh, suddenly, out of nowhere, Germany came along 2020 with the amendment of the Banking Act, and we went right in and basically sort of came to where we are today. Yeah, sounds great. So I've been on the website, and I've, I've been looking at the products that you, you, you offer, and I saw a compliant liquid Stay here. What is that? Just for, for the audience. So the idea is that you know um, it's quite complicated to kind of get exposure to staking if you want to do it through certainly through a regulated counterparty. But in general, just kind of you know setting up wallets on each of the L1s and then you kind of go from there to converting into that whatever that currency might be and then staking that currency and then you know whether you're operating the node or you're using one of the providers, etc. To do that across multiple blockchains is actually quite complicated. So our thinking was that. Okay, so let's abstract that one one layer up, and basically, so we built a product suite on Polygon, which allows you to basically use USDC to deploy capital into staking uh, nodes of basically ETH, AVAX, Polkadot, Near Protocol, and Solana. And so, so what that means is basically it becomes super easy to just construct a portfolio across like proof of stake yeah. as an investment theme, and then you just kind of decide, okay, I want to have this allocation across that portfolio, and it's. Become, because it's all on Polygon, it's very easy to kind of reallocate and rebalance that portfolio. So that was kind of the thinking behind that product. And uh, and then so, you know, we partnered up with a couple of node operators to make that happen. Uh, where like Block Demon is one of them and they're like super big in the space. So we thought, you know, that's a reliable partner. And then the way we built the processes was also like by using um, kind of institutional custody um, to hold the staking positions. So, I mean, it becomes very important like once, because once you stake, you receive a staked token from us to say, you know, you own a certain portion of that staked, whatever that total AUM is, yeah. as part of your self-custodied uh, holdings. Um, but then also the actual rewards from the staking nodes end up in, in like an MPC vault on copper. So that becomes like an institutional get grade um, um, custody environment. And then that was like, that's how we built the process in order to make that like auditable as well. And not only from like actually knowing that you have self-custody of your receipt token from us, but also that you can go in and click through and kind of see on chain what has actually happened. So that's, yeah, so that's, and, and then the other part, part, which is like the liquid part of that is basically, it allows us to either, you know, support redemption, which is then, you know, depending on which blockchain it is, like, you know, for Polkadot, it's like tw takes 28 days to get your coins back. Uh, so because of that, we also created um, AMM pools and a DOTC contract that allows you to kind of get out of those positions faster than the underlying blockchain would allow. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Sounds good. And I'll, I'll just add something to that because, yeah. because I think that it's worthwhile to say, like, leave out the speculative element of cryptocurrencies at the moment, this moment in time, which is not looking favorably scary, to say right? the least, right? Um, I think what, uh, what we're seeing actually in the institutional side that we're speaking to is actually there is some some consensus that being built actually within the big organizations that sort of a um, a sort of permissionless infrastructure can service the needs going forward from an institutional side. So if yeah. you have that conviction as an organization, you actually know that some composition of infrastructure will play a role in whatever business models will be done on that basis going forward. 
which also means that a lot of institutions are considering to say, well, if we are the facilitators of that value being replicated onto an infrastructure, well, we want some kind of piece of that. And we need to build towards that. We need to make them not have to know what a wallet is, what a sort of a staking um, uh, validator is, how to validate something, maybe the risk of actually where the asset really resides, but actually make it such that these are very clearly differentiated um, levels within the product mm -hmm. that then actually with the full disclosure can be fully understood by the participants. So it is about actually sort of servicing this group of, you know, future users of blockchain infrastructure with that kind of, you know, ease of use. Yeah. Future proofing is probably, yeah, yeah with like the mainstream coming in, the on in the space currently, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and part of that also kind of, um, we were supporting by creating an index for um, a bunch of like the basket of POS networks. Mm -hmm. So it makes it like super easy to buy into. Well, we are already seen that with a DPI token and other kind of like tokens that are out there. So um, yeah, so it kind of makes it very easy to buy into this thesis, which is basically we think blockchain is a big thing, you know, except for Bitcoin, everything else is pretty much proof of stake. Here are the proof of stake networks. Let's buy into that. And yeah, so that's kind of what we support. Yeah. Excellent. Obviously, it's hard to sort of step away from everything uh, around FTX, the collapse of FTX. What are your thoughts on sort of the, the space currently in regards to, to how regulated it is and um, the future of regulations within the, the crypto space? It'd be interesting to get your take on that with all your experience. That's a very broad question. Yeah, it is. But let's kind of maybe try to address it from a, like a geographical point of view, right? So, you know, like Philip said, I think, you know, the reason why we went to Germany was because it's the first time we've, we've seen a credible jurisdiction actually be very clear about how they want to deal with this. So we're just like, okay, let's go there because that like, that made sense to us. And it's just, uh, and it's not like one of the small countries that would be like questionable from a jurisdiction point of view, but it's actually like, you know, uh, one of the major jurisdictions in Europe and you know post Brexit Brexit we thought that was like the best place to build it now going back to the US again you know there, there's you know obviously it's a very high risk of overreaching basically from the SEC right now they might continue the enforcement method for a while who knows uh, but once they actually apply regula regulation is probably going to be quite far-reaching that's probably a likely consequence of all of this because there's so many arguments as to why you would do that versus not right so uh, that's like one aspect but the, the more important thing beyond that is also like the way that like the whole exchange regulation is, is working in the US as well doesn't really allow for like a native use of blockchain because the architecture from a, a reg and legal point of view is such that you kind of have to replicate all the different types of constituents on chain or off chain or a combination thereof and in the end it's like well this is just not efficient anymore so it's almost like replicating a legacy structure onto blockchain which really wouldn't make sense so so that kind of i think the us is going to struggle from a multiple perspectives for, for those two reasons right and for us it's more like okay we're like in the center of europe this is going to be passportable. Mika is coming in 2024. Um, it's all good. We kind of know what we're doing. Uh, we think that we will have like a great opportunity going moving forward because of passportability and the EU kind of becoming, you know, um, set under one regulatory umbrella. So yeah. So far, <clears throat> I think it's also fair to say that I mean, this should not come as a surprise to anyone in the space that basically the regulatory drumbeat of engagement has been obviously increasing and becoming louder and more tangible. And yeah. you know things have been already put in place, regardless of actually the current fallout with um, FTX and Celsius and other other players. Um, but what's what's been done is actually also there's 
it allows actually for when proper regulation is in place, like we found in Germany in this case, mm -hmm. there there is actually a vision of a pretty big use case to actually use technology that blockchain actually presents to then actually have real world assets and real world asset use cases benefit from the technology. Yeah. So you almost are you know dependent on actually having a, a good set of clear, clear rules and maybe as a service provider we and others are basically on par with the banking ecosystem mm -hmm. to then actually be able to actually bring the, the full breadth of use cases that blockchain actually enables to a completely you know existent and maybe asset class that benefits tremendously for it that is even outside of actually cryptocurrency regulation that you know may or may not come and you know we all may or may not like it but the but the result is that basically i think we found different jurisdictions and germany is one of them that actually are willing to take that position and are willing to give guidance and at least um, um, converge on a certain vision of how that should look like. And that is um, obviously very exciting because we can suddenly see that, you know, maybe a, a use case like FT FTX was exploiting is actually going to accelerate that to become more tangible, maybe more understood, maybe more clear in that context. And it allows for the space to advance quite significantly. Yeah, I think a lot of the questions and concerns I guess our audience have at the moment is you know how do I know that it's you know safe to to invest in some of the the, the yeah, cryptocurrencies yeah. I guess you know wh where do you think um, sorry you said it, the cryptocurrencies because it's also a question how you invest yeah it's like yeah. through whom you invest mm. right because I think the integrity of Bitcoin has been proven out yeah. right regardless whether FTX or other things have happened mm. right mm. but now the question is what do we expect an organization like FTX, who's you know obviously custodying customer funds and yeah. operating in a certain way, to have in order to actually have a cons consumer being able to rely on it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think you kind of like we've seen the like the the volume increase of like wallet use over the last week, obviously, right? So people are pulling their cryptos off of whatever platform, pretty much. Yeah. And so you know we saw like an upswing both on the custody side as well as on like trust wallet and other kind of you know uh, self custodied applications. So I think that's kind of the immediate reaction. Yeah. But then it's like okay, so once you've done that, okay, so now what? Like now I need to decide where do I actually apply my crypto too and then so that's why how we thought about DeFi being like the right architecture on how to do this because it's not like me blindly sending my crypto somewhere else or my digital assets somewhere else it's actually me applying my assets to a particular application that I think makes sense and then I'm once I don't think it makes sense anymore for other reasons I will just remove my assets from that application I don't have to so the whole kind of trustless nature of that is is really important right yeah and so I think that's where we'll see a lot of growth now having said that it's a fairly complicated exercise as well because not all people can actually operate like you know do all the self-custodied wallet stuff signing transactions and actually knowing what you're doing and what's going to happen on the other side so that's kind of where we're looking at like okay so how do we combine like the self-custody architecture with hosted wallets that make it super easy to use some of the applications and i think there's a lot of like interesting innovation already happening there with like gnosis and argent and others that are already kind of trying to solve that and uh, for us it's like we've chosen to work with Gnosis safe mm -hmm. and and we're trying to develop like uh, usability or ease of use around that framework to make it like more accessible because it is kind of daunting in the beginning yeah. to deal with this stuff so yeah for sure um, so future regulations 
you know, what, what are your thoughts with everything that's sort of happened recently, uh, far reaching? I think uh, was mentioned earlier. Um, what, what are your thoughts? You know, do you think it's going to be negative at first, and you know, maybe a bit of stumbling so until they get it right? Or so I think the question is actually where, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's different approaches in different regions, sure. right? And you know, I think. Um, you know, America, as mentioned, has actually very much gone through like enforcement or action by enforcement, yeah. um, mm. and I think so far it's it's hurt actually a lot of the um, you know the projects that had to then choose other places because it was just not clear how they should act, and basically it forced other people to go or forced the projects to go elsewhere. Uh, the question is now sort of is that really going to happen in, in this term or the next term that you're going to actually see beyond the enforcement by action and you're going to see sort of stipulations come out that basically give that guidance. Highly doubtful. Like, it's, it's really a big question, right? If you look at, you know, the UK, you basically have, you know, existing FCA and, you know, and regulation that leads into the sandbox. Hmm. It might just be that the scrutiny of actually people graduating from the sandbox might actually be heightened, prolonged, yeah. whatever that means, right? Um, but the goal there has not changed. The goal in, in the FCA context hmm. has been basically to qualify players to be on par with the expectation of what the financial system should deliver to consumers and protect consumers from that kind of malicious behavior. So, you know, whether that process is really efficient to go through, that's a different story, right? And then you look at Europe, and Europe already has, and that was sort of appealing to us, it was, you know, already going the extra mile to say, you know, we're not going to put a sandbox concept in place, but we're going to put a stake in the ground saying, okay, we, we want people in production to be already in contact and trusted by the regulator. Mm -hmm. So with that in place, now the next step has come with the harmonized European uh, regulation called MIGAR, which is taking effect uh, in 2024, specifically around sort of cryptocurrencies, not securities. Securities yeah. I handled differently, right? So in some ways, this has already been forethought, right? So um, I would be surprised if, you know, if, if Europe actually takes a different tact at this point in time, just as a result of current events, it might be that the next versions of that might actually have different um, regulations in place. But we're already in the full process of actually having a landscape that has to abide by these kind of rules, and actually the trust of the consumer should increase as a result of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So if we move on to, to mainstream adoption, we like we love to talk about mainstream adoption with our audience. You know, whenever we see pockets of things that we're like, oh, or we see them sort of focusing future proofing and, and that side of things. What what are your thoughts on sort of mainstream adoption? I, I think it's quite important what's going on now with like a combination of let's say Twitter and Instagram and some of the other you know obviously huge user bases that are already out there and like almost like with those users starting to use blockchain or crypto and 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 like getting kind of acquainted with the space but not really because they don't like it's a little bit like email nobody cares if it's like pop or imap or whatever i mean it's like it just happens right yeah. and i think it's a, that that's kind of the key thing here because nobody uh, sorry i mean everybody that certainly doesn't need to understand what's going on behind or under the hood so i think that's kind of where where the, a lot of the volume is going to come from. It's, it's, so, yeah, so by those networks basically providing access to huge user bases and, and then coming in, whether it's via NFTs or other applications or just simple you know, payments or what have you, that's basically where we see a lot of volume coming from. And then for us, I mean, we think that there's a great fit to actually work with a lot of like Web2 companies or 
even like fintechs and, and neo banks to provide you know regulated crypto services or products into those user bases as well because I mean first of all they kind of need to work with the regulated counterparties but then also for us you know it would take a lot of time to build like a you know a 50 million uh, person user base mm -hmm. it takes a lot of capital they're pretty much already out there in many ways so yeah I, I think that's kind of partnering as well as kind of seeing the big networks coming into our space that's what's going to bring like mass adoption so uh, I, th I think it's it's fair to say that basically sort of you know until very recently actually the the reason to do a DeFi infrastructure was only evident to those that are in space for a long time have yeah. you know become accustomed to the tools and that know what a yeah. mask wallet is etc yeah um I think given current events, it's actually put a spotlight on that and said, okay, so the the use case about adoption being with centralized players that make an easy interface that, you know, that basically give me a good experience and to onboard me and actually get me into the process, mm -hmm. it has some significant deficiencies. So now it's about actually simplifying this other world that has a higher degree of protection, yeah. but make it more usable. And so the, the wallet and the experience infrastructure is one piece, but it's also that if we really believe that Web3 is the disintermediation of, or the disassemblement of a stack mm -hmm. and the optionality that I get as a user, then let's actually put that to practice. Let's actually put that you know to use to build products that are significantly economically better than what people have access to today and still build it on architecture that preserves that kind of security that is needed right so the next phase is all about that it's actually nothing nothing else there's no there's no new product line no new asset class that we don't know of today that actually now will suddenly pop up mm. but it's about getting this kind of um, this nailed in some yeah. ways right yeah I mean we're, we're very much of the uh, opinion that sort of DeFi is kind of like the end game right like you go you, mm -hmm. you, you've I guess from a, a Bitcoin sort of standpoint, right? You know, DeFi, decentralized finance, um, no centralized player, self custody. Right. Um, you know, how do we simplify it for for those that you know uh, are not in crypto now? Well, so they, uh, we have a different answer than what yeah. you probably expect. So, okay. so for me, it was first of all an interesting exercise for us as an organization to go through actually explaining to regulators what that actually means mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. to also give our position to the regulators what we want them to do in this context and what we don't want them to do. So preserving self-custody is a major thing, yeah. right? But what does it actually mean for a regulatory body to understand what it is to, if you trade against a, an AMM pool or a lending protocol? Yeah. And what is that, like, how do you put that into the box of existing understanding of what a financial market should look like, right? So it starts, it starts there because with that kind of clearance, once you have that, you can actually simplify here and there because you suddenly actually have the buy-in of, of a regulator understanding that. And then you can work on wallet infrastructure apps that basically mm. have a simple user experience, you know, maybe abstract away sort of the necessity of every user, like doing a qualification of pools or basically sort of not stepping into areas of DeFi that are sort of nefarious or not really understood what they do. Because we've seen, I mean, let's also be honest, like, the CFI has had the major problems, but there's been numerous DeFi problems as well. So if you step yeah. into the wrong area on, on certain chains, well, good luck. It might actually be that there's a rug pull and you actually mm -hmm. lose your funds too. So this is actually about the combination of trustless technology that is 
clearly qualified and understood from the from the security perspective how it works, mm-hmm. combined with actually the acceptance that a consumer needs by by regulatory body stepping in and saying this is okay with us because yeah. that future proof is the economic value coming out of it. Yeah, I think it's also about like actually people understanding what it is that they're kind of buying or investing in. If we talk about financial products, then you know a lot of the stuff in the DeFi space is pretty com- it's like a pretty advanced. Yeah. Right. So it becomes like this, like you know, it's very hard for people in general just to kind of spend the time that's required to actually understand what it is that they're buying. And I think that's another thing that you kind of need to understand how returns are generated and and have some faith in that that's going to continue to happen or whatever. I mean, it's just like because everybody cannot like do a deep dive on on DeFi strategies and then you know go all in on like DJ and yield farming and then understand what's going on or even understanding like the lending platforms and how they operate and like all that stuff. So it has to be like fairly simple in terms of like what's being presented and why you would like buy this versus that or whatever. I mean, I think that's kind of the packaging is really important. And then like the regulatory backing, I think is pretty key as well, because otherwise who knows, like this stuff can just disappear overnight. And then it's like, okay, that was not expected. And then we're in this back, you know, Fast, fast forward back 10 days and that's kind of you know, yeah, I mean, the recurring theme, so to speak. Sure, yeah, we, we hear it all the time, people just taking people's words for it, that, you know, this uh, DeFi protocol with like 1,000% APR, yeah, yeah, and they've just like, yeah, degened into it, it's, uh, it's yeah. shocking, it's really, yeah. really shocking. Yeah. Um, any Anything else that you would like to sort of cover off today for, for the audience? Uh, anything that you're, you're working on in the background? So I'll, I'll just say, I think that we're entering a very exciting phase where suddenly it's not just about replicating existing known instruments, financial instruments or other things onto the chain, but I think by actually like digitizing, um, there's a lot of new discoveries that we're going to have, which means there's a lot of new um, experiences in ownership and you know how to sort of use the sort of the this infrastructure to actually give access to you know assets and experiences to people that has not been possible so far mm-hmm. there's been a lot of theoretical talk about it for sure yeah. but we all as an industry had to work through all these different cycles to actually come to this moment where it's actually physically and and regulatory possible and that the tools have been advanced far enough to actually make that all an experience that people can understand because let's be honest i mean so far a lot of people are not engaging not because of the fraud and mm. distrust but also because it's too too complicated yeah right? yeah so yeah i i kind of feel the um people might have that m- misunderstanding that everything that's going on with the the likes of ftx is is a blockchain technology issue and it really isn't it's, no it's, not at all it's, this is a bad player in the space mm. um someone told me recently actually that technology is um like um bad behavior is technology agnostic yeah Mm-hmm. And whether you use DeFi infrastructure, CeFi infrastructure, whatever, it really doesn't matter, right? Yeah. So you'll you'll find areas where universally you, you can step into the wrong area. So the yeah. question is, how do you protect that? Yeah. yeah, and it's the counter, like it's the counter behavior of why Bitcoin was created in the first place as a result of the you know global financial crisis, which was effect- effectively like a collateral quality problem. Mm-hmm. So what, what was FTX? It was a collateral quality problem as well as a behavioral problem, obviously, or governance problem, whatever you want to call it, but. 
it's like the antithesis, right? Because yeah. then it's like, okay, well, we started this thing to solve this problem over here, but it actually keeps re recurring. Yeah. And and so it has really has nothing to do with like the underlying ideas of like Bitcoin or anything that we're doing. Yeah, for sure. It's like yeah, it happens in traditional finance as well, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, awesome. Anything else that you'd like to to cover up? No. I think that's it. Yeah. Thank you for for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks so much. So a big thank you uh, to the team from Swarm for spending the time with us uh, to, to do the interview. Lots to unpack there. Do let me know your thoughts and opinions in the comments below. If you enjoyed today's video, mash up that like button, subscribe if you haven't subscribed already, tap in that bell, selecting all the notifications so you never miss a video. And I will catch you in the next one. Take care.